Um, please pair with me. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Please pray with me. O oh God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment. Okay. Please pray with me. O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment, and light rises in darkness for the godly, grant us in all our doubts and uncertainties the grace to ask what you would have us do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, and that in your light we may see light, and in your straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
Good morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. We're delighted to have you here in worship this morning. Old friends and new, please pick up the friendship pad and pass it to everyone in your pew. Please sign your name so we know that aware of your presence and we can all greet one another by name at the conclusion of worship. If you wish to talk to a Stephen minister confidentially, the Stephen minister on duty today is Barb Smith and is available in the narthex wearing a special name tag. Take a look at the bulletin for details on upcoming events and additional announcements. We do have several announcements this morning also. The first is Liz Mahalso on the penny pincher sale. Good morning. Can you hear? You can hear me this time, right? We had a great fellowship event here this week. What a fantastic penny pincher sale! I don't know the names of all of you who donated items or all of you who shopped, but I know that over 50 members worked on the sale in some way. In particular, I want to thank Joyce Drake for all the information she passed on to me from her years of experience and my Vice Chairman Jane Peterson, in her own quiet way, for her willingness and ever-present support. She was there almost as much as I was. Maybe that means she's in training. I hope so. Thank you to everyone who donated, shopped, sorted, priced, worked the sale, helped with publicity, baked goodies, brought snacks, put out and brought in the finger-pinching metal signs, monitored the parking lot, helped transport the final leftovers, and helped me find space for probably double the donations we've had for the last few years. It was fantastic, and I'm very appreciative. I have a few bruises and a little laryngitis, but I enjoyed every minute of it. I also want you to notice these flowers over here. Norma Ryther took a lot of the leftover vases to uh, Gallia's uh, greenhouse. And they were appreciative, and they sent back flowers for the workers. So that's what that is. And lastly, I want you to know that the funds from this sale are used to continue Presbyterian women's mission work, and that we're always welcoming to new suggestions for new projects. And so, to satisfy your curiosity, I told them at the early service, but I told them not to tell you because you all think you get the news first, so I'll let you think that. Our sale brought in about $7,600. Thank you. Ron Pollock has an announcement. Good morning. I have several quick announcements. Um, One, we have uh, disaster assistance trips coming up. We have one going to Columbia, South Carolina, the 22nd to 29th of this month. And it's really not too late to sign up if you want to do that, but you have to be quick about it. Second one, we have, I'm working on a disaster assistance trip for the 1st of January to Baton Rouge. And that one you can sign up for. We're having a meeting next Sunday right after the service in the library where you can seek me out at any time. And I'm usually here somewhere. Um, 
And third, um, up, quick update on, on son Adam in Kenya. Um, he is right now sole proprietor of the, of the home, and he's got a lot of kids sick, and he's working lots and lots of hours. Jeff and Carla, the directors, will be back on the 12th, so please keep him in your prayers as he tries to juggle all the balls and keep them all in the air. Uh, fourth, quick update on my sister, who's one of the missionaries we support. Um, she is joining our crew in South Carolina. Her, of course, my brother-in-law, Dave, recently passed away from pancreatic cancer. She is going to join us for the week in South Carolina working on disaster assistance from the flooding there. And then somebody thought I should share this. She's Three days after that, she's flying to Ethiopia for three weeks. Um, and there's two Bible schools in Pokwo, Ethiopia. One is run by the, the New Heirs tribe, and the other is run by the Dinka tribe. But they don't work together. There's two separate schools. And they both want a library. And she's going to meet the, with the directors of these two schools and tell them, you know, we might help you build a library, but you're going to have to work together on that and use the library together. So she's, this is kind of peacemaking to bring the two tribes together to do God's will. So. And Jim Wick. Jim. Thank you, Bill. Today we'll be collecting the peacemaking offering, and recently at your homes you've received this special invitation as well as the offering envelope. As Presbyterians, we recognize that Christ taught us to be peacemakers and that being peacemakers is a part of being Christ's followers. So today on World Communion Sunday, when we receive the bread and the cup of life, we bring our gifts of self, service, and money to be put to work for Christ's peace in the world. While half of the offering is used by the Presbyterian USA to support their peacemaking programs around the globe, today I will be introducing you to Joellen Cool, who is from Judicial Process, to inform you of their local program here in Rochester and how this offering, uh, half of which goes to their organization. So, Joellen. Good morning. Uh, as he said, my name is Joellen Cool. I'm a volunteer at Judicial Process Commission. What we do is we are assigned people who are in jail, and we go and we visit them, and we get to know them a little so that we can help them when they come out of jail. It's really difficult for people when they come out of jail. They have no, there's no services for them. It's difficult. They have to rebuild their lives, and we're there to try to mentor them, help them, drive them around a little bit. We're always looking for volunteers to help us because we, we do it one-on-one. -on -one. So in there, you know, there must be a lot of people coming out of, in jail, coming out of jail, who need services and need help. Um, what we do is we visit them in jail. When they come out, we give them our contact information, and we try to help them build their lives up again. And it's, it's very rewarding work, and I hope some of you can help become volunteers. We're always looking for new mentors to help people, to help them give them a sense that they're okay. It's hard when they come out of jail. It's like everybody's against, they feel everybody's against them, and they just have to rebuild their lives, and we hope that we're, help, we're helping them out. I've been with the program since 2007, and it's, I've had many mentees, and they've, you get good ones and bad ones, and, but it's really a very rewarding work. 
to see them progress and go on with their lives. And I hope you could help out somehow with mentoring or help with some donations. And it's a great program. Appreciate that. Uh, a bit of information. And for further information about this programs and ways in which your talents could be used, please see me in the fellowship hall or take the opportunity to get in touch with Lee Fox. In our homes, our communities, our world, we are called to be makers of peace. Peacemaking means planting seeds, though we may never see the flower, and never losing sight of vision promised by God. Truly one day swords, or in our modern world, guns, will be beaten into plowshares. Peacemakers stake their lives on that promise. Outreach thanks you for your prayerful consideration of this special annual offering opportunity. Thank you. And Bruce, you can start our prelude. The world belongs to God. How good and lovely it is. Love and faith come together. If the Lord's disciples keep silent. Lord, open our lips. Let us worship God. Let us worship God. 
please pray with me? O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment and light rises in darkness for the godly, grant us in all our doubts and uncertainties the grace to ask what you would have us do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, and that in your light we may see light, and in your straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Great is the faithfulness of God, and yet our hearts are not so reliable. We wander, we argue, we forget. We divide ourselves with anger and bitterness and falsehood. May the Lord bring us back together again as we admit the truth about so much that we do. Let us confess our sins to God and also to each other through this litany. Because you made the world, intended it to be a good place, and called its people your children. Because when things seemed at their worst, you came in Christ to bring out the best in us. So, gracious God, we gladly say, Goodness is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Truth is stronger than lies. Because confusion can reign inside us despite our faith. Because anger, tension, bitterness, and envy distort our vision. Because our minds sometimes worry small things all out of proportion. Because we do not always get it right, we want to believe. Goodness is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Truth is stronger than lies. Because you have promised to hear us and are able to change us and are willing to make our hearts your home, we ask you to confront, control, forgive, and encourage us as you know best. Then let us cherish in our hearts that which we proclaim with our lips. Goodness is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Life is stronger than darkness. Truth is stronger than lies. Lord, hear our prayer and change our lives until we illustrate the grace of God who makes all things new. Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ, and Christ died for us, Christ rose for us, Christ reigns in power for us, Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Not an easy peace, not an insignificant peace, not a half-hearted peace, but may this be the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ that is with us now. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us share God's peace with each other.
A reading from Proverbs 6. My child, if you have given your pledge to your neighbor, if you have bound yourself to another, if you are snared by the utterance of your lips, caught by the words of your mouth, so do this, my child, and save yourself. For you have come into your neighbor's power. Go, hurry, and plead with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, you lazy bones, consider its ways, and be wise, without having any chief or office or ruler. It prepares its food in the summer and gathers its sustenance in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O lazy bones? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed warrior. The word of the Lord. I invite the children to join me up here on the stairs. We're kind of set up for communion today, which is really pretty interesting because um, we're not the only ones having communion here just in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you're aware that there are lots of other people having communion too. Let me see what other countries you know. Who knows another country besides the United States? England is a country, that's true. And uh, uh, we kind of left England a long time ago. They weren't real happy about that, I learned, yeah. You know any other countries? Anybody know another country? How about the country of France? Do you know the country of France? Anybody know the country of Mexico? What about the country of Jamaica? Ever hear of Jamaica? Sometimes we talk about Kenya here. We heard the mention of Ethiopia today. Well, what's interesting is that people all over the world who are Christians are having communion today, including people who are Christians in Russia and people in South Korea. Even some people that we might consider to be our enemies, they will all be celebrating communion. That's why we call this World Communion Sunday. It's people all over the world. And it's also called Peacemaking Sunday. Any idea why we call it Peacemaking Sunday too? Because sometimes countries get angry with each other. And sometimes we even see Christians from different countries being angry. But on this day, the one day, they all come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper around this table. And it's World Communion Sunday and Peacemaking Sunday. That's kind of a wonderful thing to think about. Lord God, we give you thanks for this day. For a day when people set aside so many differences and ask to be fed with spiritual food at your table. Bless us all, Lord, and help us to be peacemakers wherever we are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a great time in Sunday school. Thanks for coming up.
of all creation, thanks be to God for the gifts to every nation. Thanks be to God for the plowing, sowing, reaping, silent growth while we are sleeping. Just reward of labor, God's will be done. In the help we give our neighbor, God's will be done. In our worldwide task of caring for the hungry and despairing, In our scripture lessons for today, we go from God's proverbial wisdom to wisdom offered from God through the mouth of a father-in-law. This is Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, who has words of wisdom for Moses and for each of us. I invite you to hear God's word to you. The next day, Moses sat as judge for the people, while the people stood all around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw that he was doing this for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for all the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said back to Moses, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes, instructions, and make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God, are trustworthy, and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring the important cases to you, but decide every minor case for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, as God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their home at peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men from all Israel and appointed them as heads over the people, as officers over thousands, hundreds, twenties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. Hard cases they brought to Moses, but any minor case they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went off to his own country. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, what must I do? A man asked one day. The kingdom of God still seemed far away. Christ spoke with compassion. Just do one thing more. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Matthew 19. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, I have kept all of these, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it would be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is so rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded, and they said, Then who could be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. O Lord, we have much, and so we confess our wealth blocks our way, possessions possess. Our money distorts how we hear your good news. It changes our vision, obscuring our views. O Lord,
Scott Adams is creator of the Dilbert cartoon strip. He conducted a highly unscientific Dilbert survey, which has been published. The survey asked the question, if you had a chance to hit your boss in the back of the head with one of the following objects, with no risk of getting caught, which would you use? Here are the objects and their percentages. A large bean burrito, 19%. A Nerf ball, 17%. A ripe melon, 14%. A framed certificate of appreciation, 13%. An outdated computer you're forced to use, 13%. Your last performance review, including the 600-pound filing cabinet in which you keep it, 13%. All your co-workers bound by duct tape and flung from a huge catapult, 8%, and a Ford Focus with a full tank of gas, 7%. Now, I think that the bean burrito won because it would make a really cool sound, and it would have been very messy with or without guacamole. Over 64% of respondents selected a non-lethal response, knowing if their boss were injured, it would probably mean more work for them. On this World Communion Sunday, we come to the second item on our plaque. Work hard. Last week, you may recall, we explored be grateful. This week, work hard. Sounds like a much better theme for Labor Day than first Sunday in October. Labor Day, and it's usually a weekend where most of us try to do very little of it. Let me give you a definition of retirement that I heard nearly 40 years ago. Because that's a time that most of us hope will get to uh, come to a point where labor will be reduced. So here was the definition I heard. Twice the husband at half the salary. Actually, the idea of retirement bringing little work is actually false. Most of the retired people I know work incredibly hard. They are among the largest group of volunteers we see at Habitat for Humanity, the Penny Pincher Sale, caring for the grounds around this church building and others. It's also a time when taking care of their bodies that don't respond quite as well as they did a long time ago takes a lot more work. Joseph Conrad, writing in his book, The Heart of Darkness, says, I don't like work. Few people do. But I like what is in work, the chance to find yourself to your own reality. You find yourself not for others, but no other person can know. If you go back and you replay the words of Jimmy Carter, one of our best ever ex-presidents, you will find a television speech from 1979 where he said, in a nation that was proud of hard work, strong families, close-knit communities, our faith in God, Too many of us now tend to worship self-indulgence 
and consumption. Human identity is no longer defined by what one does, but by what one owns. We have discovered that owning things and consuming things does not satisfy our longing for meaning. We've learned that piling up material goods cannot fill the emptiness of our lives, which will then have little confidence or purpose. I thought he was wise. On this World Communion Sunday, when we will walk around our themes, not only of worldwide gathering of believers at the Lord's table, but peacemaking and our fall self-imposed approach, what shall we explore from the Bible during this time of worship? What text should we use? Now, a very Reformed and Protestant thing to do is to do exegesis. That's where we try to draw out of the Bible what a verse says. And so we tend to have specified readings. We read them uh, once every three years uh, through the Gospels, Matthew one year, Mark another year, Luke a third. And that's called the lectionary. And sometimes that forces pastors to preach texts they don't really care about or like. But now, we've got the freedom to choose just about everything as long as we do eisegesis. That's to go in the Bible looking for where the Bible might address the theme of our work. I mean, we could be focused on something from Proverbs. The appetite of the lazy craves and gets nothing, while the appetite of the diligent is richly supplied. Or Proverbs 6. Go to the ant, you lazy bones. We read that one today already. Or uh, how about Psalm 128? You shall eat the fruit of the work of your hands, and you shall be happy, and it will then go well with you. A wise deacon once said to me, I think that I would rather see a sermon than hear one. So, I have thought uh, myself a time or two, maybe we should... Just let our eyes settle on some Bible words like be doers of the word, not merely hearers that deceive themselves. Now, I confess that although I like what's in the book of James because it's very practical, there's another aspect of the book of James that kind of makes me cringe. You see, the book of James is full of these pithy little truisms, what most people know. They're applicable. Be swift to listen, slow to speak. Great advice for any political candidate, don't you think? Lay aside filthiness and wickedness. Be doers of the word, not just hearers. As I read through that book, I think this really sounds like my mother. Pick up your socks. Be considerate of your brother. Don't eat in the living room. So it goes. So what do we look at? I thought, well, maybe we should just explore something unusual like Matthew 19. Maybe Exodus 18. Now, this story of this man who comes to Jesus with a question is told in all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all the three of the synoptics. But in Matthew, the writer tells us that Jesus' conversation was with this young man. And that is different. That's a piece of new information that Mark 
and Luke don't provide. One of them tells us he was a ruler. Another one tells us that Jesus loved him. But this is the text that tells us he was young. So he's a young, wealthy ruler. He comes with a question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the Greek word eternal here, that's the way we usually translate it in English, kind of means lasting forever in our own minds. That's our usual definition. But in the Greek here, it really means what must I do a good deed that is a deed characteristic of God. His question is, what work must I do to live a godly, God-pleasing life? One of my favorite stories ever concerns a young man who was working in a grocery store. And a lady came in and she asked for half a grapefruit. He thought this was a rather strange request, so he went to the back of the store and he said to the manager, there is some nut out front who wants to buy half a grapefruit. Just then he glanced over his shoulder and noticed that the lady had followed him to the back of the store. And he added immediately, and this gracious lady is willing to buy the other half. I hope that that is okay. The manager was very impressed. He said to the young man, you have a very quick mind. You have a great future in this business. By the way, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from uh, Buffalo, New York, the home of ugly women and great hockey teams. And with great coolness, the manager said, my wife comes from Buffalo, New York. The young man rose to the occasion quickly. He said, well, uh, and on what hockey team did she play? (laughs) Bright, quick-witted, young adult, a delight. Most of us who are older would not want to be teenagers again, but we delight in their enthusiasm and in their idealism. When I graduated from high school, about three centuries ago, my situation was different from Pittsburgh. We lived in Grove City, Pennsylvania, a small town, about 7,000 people, 50 miles north of uh, Pittsburgh. You could get into trouble in Grove City, but you had to work at it a little bit. The devil was in Grove City, but he was not happy to be there, and he was usually bored beyond belief. He probably sought hardship pay for working there, but during those days, we never heard about drugs. We really didn't know very much about sex, though we were very interested. We loved music as much as today's youth do. We played together. We really didn't consider the challenges of living in a more integrated society like we do now. But it seems that from generation to generation and from place to place, the scenes change, the issues and crises shift, but the central questions remain remarkably constant. How could I live a life that would be pleasing to God? 
Jesus gave him two answers. First, he said, keep the commandments. And he outlines them, doesn't he? Jesus gives us about half of the Ten Commandments in this text. And then, if you really want the good life, get rid of any of the things that you love and the things that you worship more than God and follow me. In the case of this very wealthy young man, this is going to be a problem. He loved things a lot more than he loved God. And so he went away sorrowful. I mean, Jesus was not commanding us here that we get rid of all of our possessions and embrace poverty. Nor did he mean to suggest that money in and of itself is bad. Jesus did indicate that we must subject every other value and loyalty to the high and holy privilege of being a disciple. For that is a key to the good life. If my life doesn't glorify Christ, then my life may not be as complete or my work as complete as God would want it. If I were to work hard at healing the hurts of all God's people and am contagious with the love of God, then I will probably find much more satisfaction. It's true hard work. Hard work never killed anybody, but I figure, why take the chance? That was Ronald Reagan a long time ago. Two college students were walking into Starbucks. I'm really worried. Dad slaves away at his job, so I will... Get most everything I need, pays all the bills, uh, pays for tuition too, you know. And then when I'm at home, mom spends every day washing, ironing, cleaning, up after me, takes care of me. So why are you worried? And he said, well, I'm afraid they might try to escape. People work very hard. And what does Jesus promise? We didn't read that section. He says to the disciples, you will inherit life eternal. You will get your reward in time. You will feel blessed. I thought this was an interesting story that Carrie read for us in Exodus Because not only should we work hard, I think we should work smart. And we don't always do that. Here was Moses' father-in-law who came to him. And you know what had happened at this point? They had been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. There was Moses. He was in charge of housing. He was in charge of sanitation, employment, production, Communications, the courts, administration, food production and distribution. He was in charge of everything. And Jethro said to him, you're going to wear yourself out and these people too. Divide the work up. 
pass along responsibility to others, and together we'll get this done. Now, what the text doesn't tell us, but you read a little further and you discover what was happening. They had been wandering for about 40 years, and then after Moses puts Jethro's plan into practice, they're in the promised land in about two months. Fascinating, isn't it? And this we might summarize to say that Jesus is telling his disciples, work hard, do what God wants, and the kind of work that is pleasing to God. And I think the Old Testament tells us to work smart. If we could summarize it even more, I would tell you that the greatest rewards I have ever seen are sometimes simply a smile. And you can't buy those. The dictionary is the only place that success comes before work. Work is the key to success and hard work will help you accomplish what you need to do. Vince Lombardi. There are no secrets to success. It is a result of preparation and hard work and learning from your failure. Colin Powell. Things may come to those who wait, and they will be the things left by those who have worked. Abraham Lincoln. In all toil and work there is profit, but mere talk tends to poverty. Proverbs 14. Let us not grow weary of well-doing, for in due season we will reap what we sow. Galatians 6. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they might see your good work. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus, Matthew 5. Among our offerings this morning are our gifts for the peace and global witness offering. These gifts support education, hope, and outreach with communities of faith as close as Rochester and as far away as Ireland and the Middle East. (coughs) Truly, God has blessed us with abundant gifts of creation, and so from God's abundance, we give abundantly. It is a part of our liturgy. It is a part of our work. Yet we pray, accept these humble gifts. May they honor and glorify you in all creation, and may they empower us for the work of witness and service, for the sake of justice and for the sake of peace, now and forever. Amen.
and it's given to each one of us. It's not an altar. There are no sacrifices offered here. It is instead a communion table around which people around the world will be gathering today. And so we do as well. Come, my friends, for on this World Communion and Peacemaking Sunday, all is prepared. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, when we were in the wilderness, terrified and timid, you were there. Your word was there, with manna just enough for the day, with water even from the driest rock, with the abundant grace upon which the story always rests. And when we fell short, slaves to power and greed, you were there. Your word was present on the lips of prophets and you were there when your word even felt abandoned to the point of death even faced with terror and hatred and the brokenness of the world you rose again to new life to new creation and resurrection and so we ask that you will speak to us again with these abundant gifts of bread and wine with which we celebrate the dying and rising of Christ as we await the table of the kingdom yet to come. Therefore, O God, we join with others throughout the world today, asking that you will set aside this gift of bread and wine for your holy purpose, and that you will nourish us with this spiritual food, that we might live lives of hard work and blessing and gratitude. We ask it through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. On the night of his arrest, our Lord and Savior took a simple loaf of bread and did as he had done many times in the past. He gave thanks to God for it. 
But then he did something extraordinary with this ordinary bread. After he broke it, he gave it to each one of his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so on this World Communion Sunday with brothers and sisters around the world, in gratitude and obedience, we do.
Very much the same way after supper, our Lord took the cup as I do, ministering in his name. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. He would later add, as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. Behold, the cup of salvation poured out for the forgiveness of sin, poured out for you. Drink ye all of it.
Liz Mahalso shared with us the joyous news that the flowers this day in the sanctuary making us so beautiful are given as a gift because we gave a gift to the florist of many leftover penny pincher vases. And they said, well, let us fill yours. So we give thanks and praise for that beauty. We also rejoice at the 25th wedding anniversary of Chip and Laura Bachman. And I said to them, you two got married way too young. (laughs) We give thanks and praise for their joy. We're also rejoicing that Mary Roots, for whom we have been praying for some time, is transitioning from rehabilitative care at the Highlands Living Center to long-term care at the Living Center. And we're hatching a plot. Working with her son and with all of you, we will have birthday cards for you that you can send to her. Her 99th birthday is in November, so we'll have those for you a little later. And if you'll send them in the month of November, she, I hope, will be delightedly overwhelmed. We're also in prayer for our Jewish friends as they go through their Holy Week with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We remember this is World Communion and Peacemaking Sunday, and so we pray not just for the peacemakers, but for the peacekeepers and all those who put themselves as first-line responders. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for this meal that we could share together. We are indeed a blessed people with the responsibility that we should also be a blessing. Today we pray for all of your children, but especially do we remember our Christian brothers and sisters in parts of the world torn apart by war and schism. We pray for those who are convinced that they are right and others are wrong. We pray for those who sow discord and those who are eager to find a way to follow the path of Jesus Christ, a path rooted in love and practiced in peace. We pray for the children of Syria, those whose homes sit in the path of Hurricane Matthew, especially those we have come to know in Jamaica. We pray for a family who grieves of senseless killing of their six-year-old son. And yes, Lord, we pray for all those who grieve the loss of those they love and those who grieve the loss of innocence destroyed. Lord, we rejoice where peace has come to those who need it, peace of mind, the peace of a new job, the peace of restored relationships. And we rejoice in birthdays and anniversaries and in opportunities to share friendship. We rejoice in the penny pincher sale and the hard work and opportunities to support mission. Lord, may the lives we live give evidence that we have studied your word and are eager to put into practice the words Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Work hard. Work smart. Serve the Lord. And you will be blessed. And God will repay you more than you could ever imagine. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in the life everlasting. Amen.